what makes believers different and what makes us stand out? We talked about it in the first service, about that we're to be lights in a fallen world. There are so many things, but one of the keys is to love. And that's Jesus said, they'll know you that you're my disciples by your love one for another. John 13, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I've loved you. Now, the old commandment was love others as you love yourself. He then changed it and said, the new commandment is you love others as I have loved you, that you've also loved one another. Then he says, by this, all people will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So how do we love one another? Well, it really, this is going to sound a little bit different, but it goes back to family relationships. And, and the church, which is the body of Christ, we're called children of God. We are in the family of God. And the way that we treat each other in our family relationships is the way we're to treat each other in the body of Christ. You may not have thought about it that way, but I'm, gonna, I'm bringing that up because what happens in this passage with Elisha. And so I think the key, as you're going to see, is love and respect. And we'll see it, it played out in our passage, and we'll see what happens. As we look at Second Kings, I, I want to break down the passage this way. It, it, it may not be, it's, it's a very short part, and it, we may get through early and go to Grow Group, or we may, you know, I just may start talking and go on forever. But anyway, here's the bottom line is, as we're going to look at Second Kings, we're going to see the miracle of the water. That's going to be his, you know, his miracle. Now, he's already done a miracle. What was his first miracle? What was his first miracle? He parted, he parted the Jordan River. Yeah, okay, now we're going to see the miracle of the water. What is that all about? And then we're going to see judgment on the boys. Now, if you've ever read this passage, you, you're really, you're upset a little bit if you read the passage uh, and you think about what is it saying, and we'll see how that ties together. So let's start. Elijah, as we begin, Elijah was taken away in this flaming chariot, and Elisha saw him leave. Because of this, he's now the prophet, and he's going to follow on. And, and, and he, here's what's, what's really good, is he would be, Elisha would be a prophet of God with the same power as Elijah. Now, do you understand? That is amazing. And let me ask you something. How many of you think that Elijah had amazing power? Any of you think he had amazing power? How many of you think Elisha had amazing power? How many of you think you have amazing power? You have the exact same power, right? Who lives in you? Who lives in you? What, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit is in you? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God in your body. We have the exact same power. I know that sounds weird. And you say, well, I don't do things like, I don't think I do things like Elijah or Elisha. Well, you're not prophets of God. And he had different ministries for them, but he gives you the same power to serve him. And, and so it's, it's pretty amazing. So Elisha would carry on the ministry. Now, last time we saw that the, the, the people recognized it. Look, it says in 2 Kings 2.15, it says, Now, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rest on Elisha. And, and you know what is so amazing? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not in believers. Some believers that came upon them and empowered them but most believers didn't have the Holy Spirit. Do you realize every one of us have the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's unbelievable when you think about living in you is God. And he empowers you to serve him in any way that he wants you to. So, pretty, pretty amazing. Let's talk about the first thing, the miracle of the water, okay? And so we're at 2 Kings, uh, and we begin at, uh, at chapter 2. 
and it's verse 19. Now, this is right after uh, he's, he's become the prophet. And Elijah is gone, and they searched for Elijah, and they couldn't find him. They all came back. Everybody was embarrassed because they couldn't find him. They said, I told you not to go look for him because you couldn't find him because he's gone. And then it says in verse 19, Then the men of the city said to Elijah, What city do you think this is? Where were they? Do you remember? What city they went through and they went out to the Jordan River? What city? Jericho is exactly right. They're at Jericho. So they come back. The men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, now the situation of the city is pleasant. It's a good city. You know what Jericho's called? The city of the palms. I mean, it, it's, a, it's got great water. But look what he says here. The city's pleasant, as my Lord says, but the water is bad. And because the water's bad, what does it make the land? Unfruitful. So th- this, is not, this is not so good. They said, look, we got a good city. City's good, but the water and the ground's bad. And so what are we going to do? We don't know what happened because historically Jericho was a good city, but now at the time of Elisha, something's happened. The water's become bad. The ground's become bad. And the people probably are getting sick. And they say, I don't know what to do because we don't know what to do about the water. So they said to him, the city's a good city, but the water's bad and the land is unfruitful. So what's going to happen? What is Elisha going to do? Well, watch what he does. He said, bring me a new jar and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Now, I want you to see something. A new jar. Not a jar somebody else has used. (laughs) You may have to go find a potter and he make a jar and give it to you because we don't want a jar that anybody else has used. I don't know. And what are we going to put in it? Salt. Okay, so they're going to put salt in it. And what's he going to do with it? And so far we go, so what? Well, you know, salt was valuable. In those days, I mean, they, it was very valuable. They used it to cure meat. They, they helped with food. Help. We know salt is, it helps you in a lot of different ways. Now, you can have too much salt, and that's bad for you, but they needed salt especially. And so he says, go get a new jar and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Well, what did he do? In verse 21, he says, he went out to the spring of water. This is where the water's coming into the city. And he threw salt in it and said, thus says the Lord, I have purified these water. There shall not be from their death or unfruitlessness, unfruitlessness any more. What did he do? He did, he did. He took the salt and he took the jar and he threw the salt into the water. And you say, what is, what is that going to do? Well, it's going to purify it some way. Do you think some bad water, if you throw salt in it, it automatically makes it good? Well, maybe not. But this is what God told Elisha to do, and Elisha did it, and then he speaks for God. Now watch this. Elisha is speaking for the Lord. He says, thus says the Lord. He said, this is what God says. I have purified these waters. There shall not be from their death or unfruitfulness any longer. He says, it's purified. It's done. It's taken care of. And then the next verse says, so the waters have been purified to this day. When whoever wrote Second Kings says, right now, if you go to Jericho, they got good water. And if you go to Jericho now, guess what? They still got good water. And it's called the city of the palm trees because it's always had good water and right kind of palm trees. And it's kind of a special city. There's actually almost two different Jerichos. There's an old Jericho and a new Jericho. And they're actually side by side. It's like an old city, sort of a new city. But it's all still one big Jericho. But sometimes it's called old Jericho, new Jericho. And yet they still, I mean, even to this day, if you, if you went there, they, they, they're not, they don't have bad water. They have good water. So God used Elisha. That's a miracle, right? He changes the bad water to good water. 
and it's wild. Now, here comes the next one, and this one is a little bit hard to study a little bit because he said, by the way, he said, I purify the water, the water's now good. Now we're going to see judgment on the boys. So let's, let's watch it. It says, verse 23, then he went up from there to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. So he leaves Jericho and goes back up to Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, Young lads came out from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Well, I don't know how I feel about this passage, but anyway, I don't know how y'all feel about this passage. He's deciding that he's going to go back to Bethel, which is the house of God, house of the Lord. He's going to go back there, and these boys come out. Now, I've had people say, Oh, these are boys, like 10 years old, 9 years old, 11 years old. No, no, they're not boys. They're teenagers. They're a gang. There's more than 50 of them. This is be like if you walked down the street and you looked over and there's a whole gang of guys standing there and looking at you, you'd go, I don't want to have anything to do with those guys because they might jump on you and kill you, right? This is what's there. These aren't boys, uh, you know, playing marbles and, and see the guy and make fun of him. These are hoodlums. And and we could put it this way: they're hoodlums, they're a gang, they're rough boys, uh, they're uh, they're not they're mocking. Now look what they're doing. Now I want you to stop and think for just a second. They're mocking the prophet of God. They're mocking the representative of God to them and them back to God. Now he's a powerful man. Elisha is a powerful man. And so what are they saying? They're saying ballhead. Okay, now we don't know whether they're meaning that because he's bald-headed or because sometimes in those days prophets cut their hair in certain ways, maybe cut off certain parts of it to show who they were. And uh, just like if you go through the history, the, the, you remember some of the friars, they would shave all their hair right here in the middle and, and so that you could say, oh, that's one of the friars or that's one of, the, you know, one of those people. So we're not sure whether he actually was bald-headed or whether they're just saying about his haircut, so to speak. But anyway, they're making fun of him. And they're saying, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. Now, as a prophet of God and as an older man, he was to be respected. And see, our culture doesn't necessarily uh, as much respect older people as some other cultures. There's other cultures in the world that if you're older, they don't treat you like you're an idiot. Uh, they, they show great respect to you. Our, country's, our culture's not quite like that. You know, Sometimes our culture says when you get a certain age, the best thing you can do is just get out of the way, where in a lot of other cultures it's not that way. When the Israel, the, the older men, were, they were leaders and they were respected. And so here you have Elisha, who is an older man, and he should be respected, and he's a prophet of God. And these hoodlums, let's just say it like it is, this gang of boys, this gang of young men, are making fun of him. So let's stop and talk about this, this respect and the relationships, love and respect. The relationship, think about how do we treat each other. Have you thought about that? How do we treat each other in the body of Christ? The relationships in the body are the same in the family, right? Because who are we? We're all children of God that makes us all what? Basically, brothers and sisters, but I want you to notice the relationship in the body. In the body, it says older man. How do you treat an older man? If you go to, did I put that up? Uh, yeah, First Timothy chapter 5. You don't have to turn there, verses 1 and 2. It says this. How do you treat an older man? You treat him like a what? Like a father. That's how you treat an older man. Now, listen, I want you to understand in the whole Jewish culture, in that part of the world culture, under the Mosaic law, if you totally disrespected your mother and daddy, what could happen to you under Mosaic law? Huh? They could put you to death. 
right? Right? If you had a completely rebellious child, especially a son, and they totally disrespected their parents, uh, how do you treat an older man? Like a father. Even, even he writes and says, don't sharply rebuke an older man. Show respect to him. Honor him. Honor your father. Honor an older man. That's what he actually says. So it's easy sometimes when you're young and you think you know everything. That you, you, I mean, and sometimes you know a lot more than us older people. And, and sometimes you, but be careful, just, just show a little honor there. And then look what he says. He says, younger men, you treat them how? Like brothers. Like brothers, fellow younger people. And then he says, treat older women like mothers. The respect there that you'd show. Listen, at the time of Jesus, some people said, I've got older mother and daddy, and I don't want to take care of them. And so what I'm going to do is take the money that I have, and I'm going to call it a Corbin, which means I'm going to say I've dedicated this to God. And so when I die, this goes to God, so I can't help my mother and father. That way I get to keep it for myself until I die, and then I give it away. It was called a Corbin. And Jesus came and said, you, you, by your traditions, you've gone against the Word of God because the Word of God says take care, help, help your family. Help widows and widows indeed and all of this. And he says, do that. But what you, by your tradition, called a Corbin, you've taken that away. And so that's what some people did. So how do we treat, how do we treat older women? Like mothers. And then how do you treat younger women? As a sister. That's really what you do. And, and that's the whole idea of your love and respect. In fact, in the body, we treat each other with love and respect. And that's why the Bible talks about fathers train up your children and all of these things. Realize that these boys... These teenage boys, let's put it, let's put it, maybe teenage boys, let's put this gang as not showing respect at all to the prophet of God. So watch, now this is what's weird, watch what Elisha does. Uh, let me read it again, verse 23. It says, when he went out from Bethel and he was going up, by the way, the young lads came out from the city and by the way, it's at least it's it's probably at least fifty of them, maybe more than that. You say, Why do you know that? I'll show you in just a second. I mean, it wasn't like two or three guys making fun of him. There's a whole gang out there, and I'm sure that if that gang would have attacked could have attacked him, they'd have killed him. I mean, we're not talking about a bunch of little boys. And so it says they mocked him and said, Ball head, ball head. When he looked behind him, he saw them. Now watch. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. That doesn't mean he said a bad word. He says, may God judge you. That's what cursing means there. He didn't, it didn't mean he said a bad word to them. He says he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then what happened? Two female bears came out of the woods and tore up 42 lads of their number. Now, we don't know how many there were. I'm saying it probably was 50 or more because 42 of them got chewed up by these bears that came out of there. So Elisha looked back. And he cursed them. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. What does that mean necessarily? Well, it means that he said, uh, may God deal with you. May God discipline you. May God curse you. Because they were doing bad things. And, and it just shows that uh, how, do you treat, how would you treat an older man? How? As a father. How do you treat an older woman? As a mother. How do you treat a younger man? As a brother, how do you treat a younger woman? 
as a sister. That's If we looked at each other in that way, I think it would be a lot better. And our culture is, you know, is moving. Every, I can still remember, I'm going to take one second to talk about this, but I can remember back in the 70s, and I started growing as a Christian. I trusted Christ in 1969, started growing in about 74, 75, and a series came out called Whatever Happened to the Human Race, and another series came out, How Shall We Then Live?, and it was uh, Francis Schaeffer came out with these, and they were a video series. And we actually went to churches and watched them. They were like eight parts. And they basically showed the culture and the change of the culture. And what, were, what they said then has all come to pass, just like he said it was. He said that they're, they're going to make a law. It was before the law. They're going to make a law uh, that uh, you're going to be able to abort children uh, almost for any reason. And then he says, when you do that, then you'll get that move from that to infanticide, which means after children are born, you'll be able to kill them. Are we seeing that now? Yeah, he said. And then, as that happens, you'll get to the point where they'll begin to have euthanasia, which is to kill older people. And what will happen is the culture will say older people are not valuable anymore because, I mean, they cost money and they go to the hospital and you have to pay all their medical bills and, and Medicare and Medicare. Um, it's just costing us too much money. So what we got to do is when they get to that point, we just got to let them go. Just tell them they're, just, you just, they're not worth They're not worth it. That's what's going to happen, y'all. It's already happening. It's happening in other parts of the world. It's going to happen here eventually. If they come get me, y'all hide me, okay? Because they're going to come after us old people. And I'm going to tell you, and they're going to say, okay, you're sick, and your bills are going to run up to thousands and hundreds of thousands, and you're not valuable enough. We can't waste that money. And that's why when you get to a a healthcare system in which everybody's supposed to be the same, what happens is you have to, there's not enough money to go around, so you have to decide who do you save and who do you don't save. And you don't save the babies because they're in the womb, and you don't save the old people because they've already had their life. Let them go. They're not that valuable. And that's what happens. That's what happens in our culture. That's what's happening in our culture today. And that's why older people, younger people, we have to look at it as a family, and we have to say older people are fathers and younger, older men are fathers and older women are, are mothers and younger women are, are, are sisters and, and younger men are brothers, and we're all in this thing together. Because we, we have a unique situation because we're the family of God. And so these guys, and, and when you read this, don't think of lads like little boys. Think of, think of, think of a gang. Think of a gang that, that, you know, I saw the other day uh, on a video, and it was from the camera from the street. And this little person, this little older person is walking down the street, and these two people come up behind her, hit her in the back of the head, knock her on the ground, and just run off laughing. Teen, you know, probably 18 years old, in a gang, and probably one of their deals in the gang is go knock somebody down or something. That's happening all over. And uh, so how do we treat people? Well, what does he do? He says the two mama bears came out and tore up 42 of the boys. So that we don't even know how many boys there were. There might have been 100 of them. We don't know how many were there. But I guarantee you people were running for their lives. And those bears got after him. And so after that, he went to Mount Carmel and then to Samaria, the capital of northern. I want to show you that he has been at Bethel. That's Bethel. It says Baal, which Baal means house. El means God. So Bethel is house of God. He left there, went all the way up to Mount Carmel, which is right there. And then he comes back down to Samaria, which is the capital of the northern empire. And uh, the northern empire is bad. Remember, the kings of the empire are bad. 
And uh, we're going to see, uh, starting next week, we're going to see the new king after Ahab. We already know he had a son come in there, but the son didn't last very long because the son fell through a thing and got hurt and, and sent to a, a false god, and, and that didn't turn out too good for him. So anyway, so let me give you some applications before we break, and we'll have a little bit more time. First, God is a God of miracles. He is. He can do anything he wants to do. He can, uh, listen, understand that a miracle is, is contrary to natural law. If the sun stopped, which it has, which, which the river dried up, which it did, which, which the, all of a sudden salt throws in regular water and all of a sudden it's perfect water. I mean, when, when you look through the Bible, God is a God of miracles and a miracle is something that's just not... I mean, I've had people say, we won the game, that's a miracle. That's not a miracle. It's not a miracle. We may think it's a miracle, but it's not a miracle. A miracle is going contrary to the laws of nature. When Jesus walked on the water, that's a miracle. When he changed the water to wine, that's a miracle. When Elisha threw that in there, that's a miracle. Uh, the uh, the calling, cursing them, that's not a miracle. He didn't do a miracle. Because bears sometimes eat people. I mean, this is not a miracle. But it's a judgment. And that's why I called it the miracle of the water and the judgment on the boys. We're going to see more miracles, but God is a God of miracles. The second thing is, let's treat each other with love and respect in the body of Christ. That's what we have to do. Listen, the world's not going to treat us that way. In fact, the world is going to be against us. We've got to stand together. We've got to stand together as, as children of God. And so respecting older men and women as fathers and mothers and treating younger believers as brothers and sisters. That's what he talks about doing. So we are different than the world, and they can tell us they can tell we're different by our love one for another. I thought it was really unusual when Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Now, you, you could start thinking, okay, a new commandment, what's it going to be? And he says, love others as I have loved you. And we say, oh, no, that's not a new commandment. He already told us to love others. No, it's new because he used to say, love others as you love yourself. Now he says, love others as I have loved you. It's a step up. And then he says, and they'll know that you're my disciples by your love one for another. People will know we belong to him. The third thing is this. God brings judgment on open rebellion. Now think about that. These guys, they knew who he was. They knew who he was. They didn't think he was just some old guy walking down the road. They knew he was a prophet. Maybe by his haircut. Maybe by, and, I mean, he's already become famous, you know. And, and um, so these guys lived somewhere probably between Jericho and Bethel. And so they knew what was going on, and they were just making fun of him. And, you know, one thing about the Bible, God is a God of grace and mercy and love, and he loves us. And when we come to him and we say, oh, I blew it, I messed up again, I'm so, <laughs> I blew it again, he loves us. But when we say something like, I will do whatever I want to do, you better buckle up. You better buckle up. He always deals with open rebellion. And when the, when the nation of Israel, when they open rebelled against God, he brought judgment on them. He told them over and over, I'm going to move you out of that land if you, don't ch if you don't stop worshiping false God and being in open rebellion against me. And they didn't stop, and he took them, took them to Syria, and then he took them to battle. And then, same thing toward the end, they rejected the Messiah. When they rejected the Messiah and crucified him, judgment came upon them and they were moved out of the land the temple was destroyed and it was almost 2,000 years before they came back so powerful God judges open rebellion these boys mocked the prophet of God there was judgment respect 
God's word and his servants. Be careful of that. That's what we, we look at. So older men as what? Fathers and older women as mothers and younger, younger men as brothers and younger women and sisters.